with you guys. Bring the damn my laser thing. My Shut up, soul. Sean. God damn it. All right. Uh, you guys are going to get a little weird right now? Uh-uh. You guys going to get some trippy shit going on here? This is the best beer ever. And I don't Fuck, Sam! Okay. Sean, don't, because that's a beautiful cinematic <laughs> no, moment. No, that's fucking terrible. Dude, that was pretty dope, dude. Welcome to another episode of Three and a Half Gentlemen, the podcast where three of the four hosts provide a refined and intellectual analysis of moves from our private collections, and one of us tries desperately to keep up. We'll let you decide which host is which, but for now, my name is Sean, and with me, as always, are my bohemian co-hosts, Jeremiah. Gitchy, gitchy, ya, ya, da, da. Eddie. Love and loved. <laughs> and Brandon. <laughs> The greatest thing in life you'll ever learn is just to love. And that was a great John Leguizamo, dude. That was good. This season, we decided know, that each you. host will pick a film from each decade, from the 70s to today, that exemplifies <laughs> that time period. Some of the films will be underrated, some classics, while over, others will be overrated piles of cinematic crap. To Point finish break. off each decade, the host will have a group pick that wraps up the decade in style. As with every review, we give our goals to answer one simple question. How many drinks does it take to get through the film we've just watched? At the end of the podcast, we'll rate the movie based on a scale of 0 to 5, 0 being the perfect film that you can watch Stone Cold Sober, and 5 being the sort of film that you'd rather sell your body to the night than finish. Hey, wait, 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 oh, that's wait, wait. A good one. That's really that's a good. good one. But you don't have to put on the red light, yo. Rocks! <laughs> In addition to our review, we always pair our selection with a cocktail that we hope will enhance the viewing experience. This season, we want to focus a little more on the cocktail, so please feel free oh, to shit. shake, stir, and mix the cocktail that we've chosen and settle in for what we hope will be an engaging review. You know, Brandon, I do not appreciate you running we... down that line every single ahead, other week. Ahead. You're just making me pissed off. With that, what movie do we have bringing, uh, bringing, bringing, bringing Perry to us this evening, gentlemen? Jeez, Listen, I'm going to say next next season we need to actually come through, and when we say that we're going to focus a little bit more on the drink, let's actually focus a little bit more on the drink and talk about it. We, we have want, been talking more about it. You want us to oh, drinking? No, we, we talk about it. We we've been doing weird the, things, the Brandon. So tonight we have our third selection from a 2000s films. It's Jeremiah's 2001 pick. Which, by the way, Jeremiah, I'm just going to go ahead and, and just come up on the beginning and say, great pick. Brandon, look at me. Uh, and that is Baz Luhrmann's Moulin Rouge. I don't know if that's a compliment or a fucking like, threat, but... Well, well he likes the movie it's not a threat. It's, so it's take it with a salt. <laughs> yeah. Jerry, you and me, we like the fountain. I love it. Yes, we do. Uh, so, listen, we've got this... Uh, oh, I'm not going to put this. Sean, you can't write the, the fucking script. This quasi-musical... Is rated a 7.6 on IMDb. It has a critic score of 76%, which should be more like, I'm going to say 80%. Better than Home Alone? Bullshit. And, Bullshit. Okay, now we have to start over, Ed, because we haven't done Moulin Rouge, or we haven't done Home Alone yet. Have oh, we? sorry. You're right. <laughs> uh, no, we actually have. We have. Yeah, good job. That's <laughs> Home Alone. Okay, Joe again. And an audience score, that's right, 89%. It's called Breaking the Fourth Sean. Wall. On Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> so this film pairs an unorthodox song with stunning visuals. No. And it pairs unorthodox songs with stunning visuals. If you'd no, read this before. He's drunk. He's drunk. That's the issue. Drunk. He's drunk. I got to get up. 
I got to teach a class at 7.30 tomorrow. <laughs> I got to get up at 4.30, so shut it. That's my time I start my class tomorrow for you. Anyway, this film pairs unorthodox songs with stunning visuals, which is seen as a celebration of love and creative inspiration. Yes. It takes place in the infamous gaudy and glamorous Parisian nightclub at the cusp of the 19th or the 20th century, also known as the 1900s, where a young poet played by Ewan McGregor is plunged into the heady world of Moulin Rouge, Moulin Rouge. and begins a passionate affair with the club's most notorious and beautiful star. The sparkling diamond. Which, by the way, I'm going to take this moment because I know that this moment is all mine to say, Nicole Kidman, goddamn, she's hot in this movie. She was beautiful. She's She's beautiful. beautiful, She is beautiful. The only plus of the movie. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And the first shot has been thrust. The cast is rounded out by Jim Broadbent, (laughs) Richard Roxborough, and John Lugan. Hey, Professor Slughorn. Yeah, Professor Slughorn and uh, Moriarty from... uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Just shut Jeremiah, up. take us shut through. Up. Take us through first uh, impressions. Before we get into our cocktail selection, we need to talk about who filmed this is, and additionally, what our first initial impressions of the movie were before sitting down to watch it. Since this is my film, uh, I will go and actually talk about it. Now, <laughs> in two thousand one, this movie came out. I wanted had nothing to do with this movie. I was just like, no, it's not an indie film. Who gives a shit? And seriously, that song, you know, like, the song was played everywhere to the point where it was like, I hate this fucking movie. It just had this hate about it. I saw this movie early this year for the first time. And, uh, what? Yeah, dude. I seen it. Maybe, let me rephrase that. I've seen parts and parts of this movie. Let's just leave it this way. I'm not a Boz Lerman fan. I just, I just, he's too As fucking. As we saw, with, uh, yeah, he's just too fucking crazy. However, I didn't know this was a love, a love letter to music in this film, and I really enjoy the shit out of it. You know, regarding to that type of theme. However, we're gonna dive really deep in this and how crazy this uh, Cloverville type of a film this was. So, Eddie, please, uh, what was your first impression? I was kind of excited. <laughs> Sean, yours. <laughs> So I remember watching this when when that song came out, right? Biggest so I remember that it was the biggest song. What was it? It was Christina Pink. Aguilera. It was Ooh, Christina Mo- Aguilera. It was. I know Missy Elliott was in it. So no, Christina Lil Aguilera. Kim, Lil Kim was in Aguilera. That, it was oh, Christina Lil Aguilera, Kim. Pink, Lil Kim, and one more. There was Pink. It was one more. Yeah, Myra. My, I don't know. No. Mariah Carey. No. No. It's okay. I'm gonna have to look it up. Anyway, I remember. Wa- I remember watching this movie and kind of liking it. And then when you had suggested, I'm like, oh, I remember that was just like loud and the songs were like mashups. It was like really cool. So I was. I was really looking forward to sitting down and watching it. <clears throat> and then I turned on the TV. Uh, but Brandon. <laughs> So this is a song, and I don't know what's the song. It's, it's a, a song. movie. <laughs> it's been a long hour. Uh, this is a movie that I had absolutely no interest in seeing, and so I, I waited until it came out in Blockbuster, and I went over to Blockbuster, and my family was like, let's go get this movie. And I said, no, I don't want to see this movie. I remember watching it back in, in whatever it was, let's see, 2000, and probably two, um, and just being caught off guard. It was the first Baz Luhrmann that I've I've watched uh, since then. I've seen three of them. Um, mm-hmm. em- embarrassingly, I've not seen Romeo plus Juliet. That's the best one. Um, I own it. I own it. No. Technically, I uh, have not seen it yet. But I've seen Australia and I've seen Great Gatsby. And we've already talked about Great, Great Gatsby. But um, from what I've seen, the three that I've seen, this is hands down the best. And I'm not going to say the best. I think this movie has traces of brilliance. I think that it does 
it, yeah. it dances um, with brilliance. Flirts. It flirts except, with brilliance. Except it, no, it dances with it because you know that makes more sense with the movie. Eddie, take Eddie, take us through the. Anyway, oh, sorry. Sorry, up, sorry, 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 sorry. I thought you were done. I thought you were done. This is my no, 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 first, first impression ever. This is my first impression. Literally, uh, this is a movie that I, I remember loving, and I haven't seen in years. I remember in grad school I had to watch it again because we were studying La Bohème, and, and it was an intertextuality class. I'm not going to bore you guys with that, but basically, already, I'm already bored with that. The overlapping of uh, storylines. Okay, it's my time. And uh, I haven't seen it since then, which was basically 2010. So I've taken off basically 10 years of watching this movie. And I watched it again the other day. And um, I'm not going to go ahead and give it away, but I'm just going to say this movie, it holds up in certain parts and it lets down in certain parts. But what it does is it gives you something completely unique and something completely unexpected. And I'm really excited to talk about this. Save it even for the I'm review. Drunk. All right. It's smart, but I'm gonna Eddie, take us through the cocktail. Jeez, bro, you say enough over there? <laughs> God, as we, I liked my first impression. I was excited. <laughs> hey, sister, soul, sister. <laughs> All right. So as we mentioned earlier, with each movie, we try to pair the tone, feel, and overall impact of the story of a cocktail. This season, we really want to discuss the cocktail and more, and how it links up with the movie selection. Everyone who listens knows that when we finally watch a Bond movie... We will watch a Bond movie. We shall not ever watch We will a Bond pair it with movie. a vodka martini, shake and not stir with a lemon pill. I hope we don't even do that drink when we do the Bond movie. <laughs> we'll do a Heineken. Yeah. But, tonight's cocktail was chosen by Jer- but tonight's cocktail was chosen by Jeremiah. So yes, it was. He'll be taking us through the cocktail. Yes, it is. Tonight's cocktail is the Green Fairy. Now, if you watch the movie... Out of nowhere, a green fairy came up in this movie. So. I was so I thought I was high I mean, for a moment. Like, when you're that, who the high, hell is that? You go ahead and think about that. Well, in the movie, it's the, Kylie freaking Minogue. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was. Uh, uh, what's her face? I thought. I thought it was it's Kylie Minogue. You thought? No, it's the uh, the, it's, the it's British star, Australian. Australian. Jesus, I need. I need Wait, is Boz Lerman Australian? Yes. I was being funny. Keep going. While in the movie, this cocktail is uh, depicted as a form of a straight absence and cause the drinker to hallucinate. Our cocktail is something that is a reimagining. It takes the color and base of the cocktail drunk in the movie, tones it down so we can Green finish fairy. the review. Ciroc, vodka. Vio cherry abstinence to make to make yeah the you're gonna go on this one to make the green fairy you need Ciroc vodka. Mm. Vervo curry absinthe. Oh, we're dangerous. Absinthe. Uh, absinthe? Chartreuse. Absinthe. Ooh. Lime. Cucumber. And, and a little mint. We ask you to be careful with this one, or else risking going home with the wrong Duke. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> For a complete recipe, I would love to go home with the wrong Duke. visit our website at thegentlemanpodcast.com or the Instagram at the dot. The dot means a lot. Gentleman Podcast. So, gentlemen, let's just get fucking weird right now. Okay, so we're I'm in... Oh, here. drink. Oh, drink. Sorry. <clears throat> drink. I, I have to drive. No, drink. no. We're just going to take, fl- take a flight. In my brain. Oh, God. So when I turn on this I've movie... Always- <laughs> and I've finally tried absinthe. So thank uh, you, guys. Uh, so the fairy is uh, fluttering. And uh, this is, is not Is this happening good. right now? This is not good. Is this happening right now? <laughs> Brandon... I thought you were in Connecticut. Why are you sitting right next to me? <laughs> oh, my God. All right. I'm sorry. That's just not a good cocktail. You know, you want us to talk about a cocktail, but... <laughs> you know what? I feel like Jeremiah's are always bad. Yeah, well, no, coffee, coffee and cigarettes, cigarettes were legit. 
Thank you. Yeah, it was always, fucking great. I still have the Lafray scotch right yes, there. Yes, he does. I've he been, has Lafray. And my it drink it. is classic. Oh, you guys may not like the movie, the but movie the it was drink train is fucking I'll give, you, I'll give you the it drink, but I'm going to tell you right now, coffee and cigarettes, it still haunts me. I wake up in the middle of the night <laughs> scratching at my, my tongue. You're an East Coaster <laughs> now. You're, you're from the East Coast. That's like the, that's the way of life right now. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so let's, no. let's, let's dive into the movie. I have a feeling it's going to be a relatively short podcast. So we've got 1900s Paris. We've got these old titles. And one of the things about Baz Luhrmann that I really No, we don't have the old titles, Sean. We have the beautiful conductor. Yeah, that was crazy. I've never seen anything like that before. We haven't. You know what? Jeremiah fucking said it. We haven't seen anything like that. The person you have seen stuff like this. You just haven't watched these movies. This is straight out of the 1930s and 1940s. Yeah, but it was an introduction to our time. I agree with you. It's the intro, Sean. No, it was great. And then it goes right into the the sound of music. You're like, what the fuck? My is this? So there, is there anything? Is there anything about the war around that time? What is there anything about the war? Civil War? Does it use the 1930s, 1940s? Like, does it time up with World no, War II? No, no, this is what? 1900s. Oh, you said 1940s. No, i Because it was the 20th century. The, int- the introduction, introduction is like oh. from movies in the 1920s. Bro, right, but, yeah, but you, can't, you can't rub, you can't, you can't, I mean, literally, we talked about Great Gatsby. In the what UK I'm saying is you UK, said so you've never seen this before. It's like you've never seen it, but it's not new. It's just confu- like the Star new. Wars crawl I was so confused as Sound of Music was popping up out of nowhere. No, I want to talk about this simple fact that I got a text out of nowhere yesterday. Out of nowhere, literally, with Sean just saying, this movie, this movie. <laughs> I'm like, what movie are you talking about, bro? Home Alone? I don't know. And I shouldn't have said that. But anyway, he's talking about Moulin Rouge. And you just, you got you to gotta put your, your hatred on check, bro. I'm going to put my hatred on full display. The first 30 minutes of this movie is a fucking assault no, on your, exp- no, on your, no, it is. Say, Thank you, Brandon. No, here's Thank Brandon. you. Unlike no, you, here's... I can actually describe why I hate something. It's because it was not only loud, but it was poorly acted. You didn't know what the fuck was going no. on. You're in that apartment. You I have disagree. Ewan McGregor. You can disagree all you want. I'm saying for the I'm normal human to. being, it was no. not funny. It was hard to follow. You had bad acting from John Leguizamo. Horrible, horrible plot development. For the first 30 minutes, I felt like I, I was watching like a circus. Like no, no, a no, no, intense circus. That's exactly what I was about to say. It. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a because circus. It's a crazy time. And you're actually being brought right in the cusp of this fucking you, crazy evolution weirdness that's happening. I'm not a fan of it. Don't get me wrong. No, I had no, no idea what the hell was going on well, for 40 the, minutes. Here's the thing. I was so confused. No, Baz does this, and he does it more than better than anybody else I've ever seen. Is that he intentionally makes us feel uncomfortable? He throws us right into the middle of the story, and he makes us feel uncomfortable. He does this in Australia. I don't know if you've seen Australia. I have, but that's a serious movie. That for the first half hour of that that three hour movie. We feel uncomfortable. We have the frenetic editing. We have the camera movement that literally goes everywhere. We have the the costumes. We have the acting, which is over the top. What it does is it makes us feel uncomfortable. And then what it does without us realizing it is it settles into this super slow story that makes us care about the characters in the story. I can always it's, tell when it's you like the story. It's so, but here's what it is. is it, it's iconic, but it's so him. Now, we did, we did Gatsby. He does the same exact thing with Gatsby. I, I don't like Gatsby. Uh, as a story, as a movie, I, lo- I mean, as love it as a story, but I hate it as a movie. Moulin Rouge is something completely different, something completely unseen. This is his first real jump into the mainstream. And the fact that he was able to get this movie made and to be made in this way 
is, it was is game unbelievable. changer, dude. It was a game changer. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine it's a, it's being at that video. pitch. I couldn't is. imagine being at that pitch meeting when Boz Lerman's like, okay, for the first 30 minutes, we're going to make the people want to leave the theater. I am, when I'm sitting down watching this movie thinking, I am not going to make it through. I can't watch this assault on my senses. I don't know what's going on. The acting is so Fucking terrible. Wait, wait, There's what no John Leguizamo, you Ewan McGregor. Oh, no, 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 no. Ewan McGregor, he's fucking minutes, good in this shit, movie, dude. Hold on. The first 30 minutes of this movie are, they're not good. And what you, no. stop, let me talk. Because you had your You're moment. Wrong. We understand why you think it's good. I don't. I think it's trash. I think the camera moves to the point where I was getting sick. You had... <clears throat> You had the setup of characters in Satine, who basically is a whore with tuberculosis, and the poet. <laughs> you have Bohemian Paris. You don't fucking burn the city down. I'll just stay on the outskirts in my chateau. I don't like anything about what was going on in the first 30 minutes. Then, you had fake fuck? and cardboard uh, sets. There was, no, it, there was no context to the movie. There was no uh, dropping was. in. Music. It was all... okay. No, it's it, the context is basically it was a fantasy and in your fantasies and whatnot, that's basically what it is. You know, you know, are you the person that's going to be stuck in some type of a reality, something coming into a fantasy or are you going to be a part of that fantasy? And you see that in the beginning of the introduction. Now, mind you, I'm not trying to support the crazy directing style of Raz Lerman. He's an acquired taste to some people. It's fucking crazy. It's like Cloverfield times 20 when you're watching this all this stuff but in the same time you're getting this whole like this different universe of what's happening during this time and i really think it sets up the vibe of what this movie is you're saying like you know how the, he was able to pitch this i think what he did in this movie and mind you change how we look at musicals going forward because after he's this, giving us a music video. Yeah, after doing. this, after this, everybody wanted to do a musical because he was able to bring down that wall. Because after, before this, what other musical you had? Newsies. I mean, I mean, you know, seriously. And this sound of music. I mean, yeah, like uh, I don't know, all the Rodgers and Hammerstein. Forgive me on this. Forgive yeah, me. Greece. Um, okay. What I was trying to say is that musical at that time, the musicals was a dying breed. No, I'm just saying, at that time, can you mention another movie that was actually sometime like this? No, musicals died out. Musical died out and actually introduced it into another type of a millennial generation. Here's my problem with the whole movie, is that once you hit Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend, once you hit the Nicole Kidman performance, which I think was when it finally like got to a point where I could breathe <laughs> in the film. You I laugh because you kind of agree. I enjoyed no, no. a lot no, of the no, interaction. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying directing the style was fucking uh, wonderful. I was literally watching this hand. I'm just like, I can't look at the fucking screen right now because I, it's, it's like I'm going to get a fucking seizure for a moment, you yes. know? It's this, like this, light, 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 light. But then I'm like, okay, that's what the vibe was during that time. And this is no, what, what his story is telling you uh, what he was brought into. I just, it, it almost like seemed like he was telling the story. And before he was telling the story, he was, he was on acid and like writing it so freaking fast. Like it was his, he was having flashes in his head. 
right? Like of him typing out the. You just story had a moment of clarity. But yeah, then no. you had like spots through the movie where I think you know I like Richard Ruxborough. I think he's a great actor. He was the most overacted, horrible character. Was he the villain? Oh, but no, then but you got every, to Jim Broadbent, and Jim Broadbent was worse. But, no, I don't think you and McGregor overacted. I don't think Nicole Kidman overacted. No, 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 I think okay. everyone apart from those two characters was trash. But Even Jim, because Jim was fucking. No, 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 hold on. Jim Broadbent was just oh, over he was the top. Great, dude. Yeah, Zig, Ziggler is. Oh, here's the thing. Ziggler is overacting. Um, the Duke Roxborough, he's overacting. The whole point is that this is an over the top. Yeah, Jeremy's right. It's a fantasy. It's an over the top fantasy. What they're doing, and he's giving us this half hour of what the fuck is going on. He is intentionally making us feel uncomfortable. He is intentionally overloading our senses. Well, he should have okay, intentionally I mean, it, it, made me want to watch the rest look, of the I movie. could watch this movie and pretty much start on hour one and be probably more happy and just miss the first hour. That, that, exactly. That's exactly right. When you get to a Diamonds or a Girl's That's Best Friend and you have the original, because I think the the bones of the movie are super clever, right? You've got Satine and you've got Ziggler who like are Teen trying Spirit. to, they're essentially trying to court the Duke. So the Duke invests in Moulin Rouge. Which I think is fucking hysterical, by the way. Because if you're a true bohemian, you don't need a rich guy to invest in your art. Like I don't that, think, wait, wait, that's the fucking wait, wait, stupidest did, thing. Did I get mixed up with that? I thought they were trying to court uh, uh, Satine to be a part of their musical. They're trying to get the money for they're the They're trying music. to get the so money for the musical from the Duke. Yeah, from yeah. Richard Roxborough. So that's that to me is mm. the most hysterical irony Pause of the your movie. Video, is that Brandon. the Bohemian people who don't care, who only care about art and music and love, they are doing everything they can to get the money from the rich person in order to put on their production. I think that's ironic and funny. Anyway, that I think said, that's part of the, but that's part of the purpose, Sean. No, I, and I'm saying the bones of this movie are very clever. So you've got the mistaken identity with, uh, you know, Ewan McGregor and is he the Duke, and then you've got that wonderful music mashup session right in the middle of um i think it was actually a song that was written for was, was it written for this or was it a, a amalgamation wait, wait, come what may the- okay so that song was actually written okay it's it, it, it's an original song okay but it was written for um uh, romeo and juliet and so okay. when it actually got brought into the whole like Oscars and whatnot, it did, it, it did not get a chance to get nominated because you can't use another song from a previous film or whatnot. Gotcha. So it's kind of like a bullshit rule. It's kind of like the whole like uh, 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 There Will Be Blood when Johnny Greenwood did the score and the score was fucking amazing. But because he did it because they use it from a different film, he didn't get nominated. Gotcha. Oh, wow. So it's a great fucking song. That song is really good, by the way, man. I, I love. Mean, I do want to that. talk about how it is uh, Ian McGregor. McGregor. Ian McGregor. Ewan, yeah. Uh, his voice outstanding dude he right. has a voice he has and i remember reading this he was, line he's a very talented man I, i've realized in this movie is like, okay this guy ran off it and he i for me he stole the movie a little bit because i enjoyed watching him i felt like sean, and, go ahead and, go ahead and dispute sean no i i i we, we talked about this before i think he has really good pitch i think he doesn't have a lot of power i think that you can tell He's got a great voice. Don't get me wrong. Mm. He's got a very good voice, but you could tell that he's not a singer. So if you look at a movie like Mamma Mia, perfect example, okay? Pierce Brosnan, he's not a great singer, but his voice sounds really good when you listen to it. It sounds like it fits in. Same thing here. Ewan McGregor fit into these songs and really played off of, I thought... um, uh, what's her name? Nicole Kidman's yeah. voice really yeah. well, and I bought their love story. I thought their their love story, love was, story legit. was fantastic. I it came a little fast. Two things here. One, uh, actually, the person who was supposed to be cast for this movie was Leonardo DiCaprio. 
I and did. he was all ready yeah, to go and ready to think. Yeah. But the problem was, is that couldn't he couldn't sing. sing. <laughs> <laughs> why is your, uh, why, uh, Brandon, why is your video off? Because I want you to think about me. Because here's the thing. It's not about, it's not about the, I, I don't want to sound like super corny, but it's not about the quality of his voice. It's about the passion behind it. It's literally about how he sings, whether whether it's quality or not. And he knocks it out of the park. I'm telling he, he I, I really, there. there's a lot I can say negative about this movie. His voice is not one of them. Nicole Kidman's voice is not one of them. Yeah, I agree. I right. will say that one of my favorite, and I'm, I'm skipping around a, little, a, a lot because one of the things I hated was the use of slow motion. It made yes, me sick. Yes, I'll agree. But then, but, here, but then when they have the they have their beautiful scene, which I think is the best one of the best scenes of the movie, is when they're going back and forth with love song lines, and they're going and they're one of the things that this movie did so beautifully, and it does fit into our podcast mandate because I do believe a show like Glee came directly from this movie. I think a lot of these films that we've been watching, like this new kind of like second start of musicals, yeah, like the you know, editing style, just 100%. yeah. I mean, like you don't get La La Land or you know the Greatest Showman. The mashups, or, yeah. the mashups of songs think, and of lines. Like it was so clever because every line that they were singing back and forth to each other, like you could recognize from great fucking love song, great love song. Remind me of the show Riverdale. I feel like the Riverdale took a little part of this. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the, these are the songs that mesh it up right here, right? It was just like it was just like what the fuck is this? It's that song and that's one they did. Beatles, all you need is love. To I was made to love you by Kiss. To one more night for the Phil Collins, and then they went to U two, probably the name of love, and then they went to I will always love you from Dolly Parton, yeah, and then they went to Heroes yeah. by David Bowie, by David Bowie, and then your song yeah. by Elton John. Well, and that's the thing is you and had your, yeah. Go ahead, sorry, Brandon. No, I was gonna say your song to me, it carries so much weight to it in this movie that I don't care. I'm, I know that Elton John's version is great, but it doesn't hold a candle that you and McGregor's poorly sung version of this because it carries so much ex- just and emotion down, and I don't think I don't think it's fair to say it's poorly sung I don't think that's true I, think I do I, well, just, I do think that Ewan McGregor's voice is not quality but what it is it is it's full of emotion pitch, and it has good pitch he hits the notes he just can't deviate from the notes and, right no absolutely and what you guys are saying like the love story like it kind of happens too fast this is the first time the man that you know that Christian didn't like lust for her he was trying to like show the inner self of him, and he was able to actually connect with that person inside. Well, that I think that uh, yeah. Satine knew that this person was, you know, saw this, saw her for the first time. But remember, this is the first time that he's been in love. He tells us that, and this is the first time that that she has met somebody who didn't automatically, immediately want to fuck her. Yeah. You, right, like that's I, that's a huge more, thing. Yeah. You also have this undercurrent, which I think is wonderful in the story of the story that they're telling in their play. So you have yes. kind of the thing, the, the, that which is life, just a, a show of them, right? right. Life is, is mirroring art and you've got the Duke trying to control it. But I will say that I am, I'm constantly distracted in this movie by the visuals. I don't think they match what I think is otherwise a good story where I think that the visuals, I wish that they had done more visuals like this in Gatsby and less shitty story than I don't know. There's some disconnect. To me, there's a disconnect that Bos Lerman has between his visuals and his story. And he can't find the right amount of crazy to go along with the story. I, I think there's I'll, a problem. I'll agree with you. I'll agree with you. I think that Gatsby is a great story on its own. It doesn't need the, the Lerman treatment. Crazy. The treatment. It, 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 right. doesn't, it doesn't need the Lerman treatment. 
I think that Moulin Rouge, though, and I do, and, and this is a hypothetical, and I might be totally wrong, but I think that if this was told in a more traditional manner, I think it'd be a boring movie. I think it would be something that we don't really care about. Now, that being said, I'm going to go ahead and it's going to be reflected in my score. He goes too far at the beginning. The, the beginning with with the dwarf, um, they start singing, the hills are alive. Like To me, that that's almost to the point where I'm like, yeah, I do want to almost turn it off. Yeah, but I, what it does I, yeah. is it is it roots us in this this world that is is telling us right from the get go. This is not real world. This is not real life. This is something that is completely different. It's something completely abstract from from anything you've ever seen before. And I'm I'm, I'm going to give it that. That and Sean, let me just ask you directly: Have you ever seen a movie like this? I don't know if I want to. No, 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 no. It's just it's a yes or no, right? And you, I'm just going to go ahead and hypothetically, we we haven't seen movies like this where it's no. I so think this is utterly cocaine. I, I, I think it's utterly induced. unique. Um, Romeo and Juliet, same director. So, yeah, no, but the same idea too. Right, right. Like, but I fell in love you. We're both think, like orphans at the same well, time. You no, get sick and you is, die. This, like, and I die. Another level. I agree with you 100 because if you look at this, is West Side Story. It's Romeo and Juliet. It's the same. It's the same themes that are present in those movies same as great gatsby by the way yeah, he, he likes story. tragedy he likes crazy so so this is actually based off of la boheme which is a is an opera yes right yeah so i mean we've got this this is what i think is 16th century 17th century well, opera yeah. what, who, um which is basically the the, the root material and there was it. a lot of opera here it, there's a lot of opera and not only that but but you're talking about this overacting and i mean that's what opera is right at its heart is it's like the soap opera. It's overacting. It's it, not supposed to be real. It was it's just so fucking distracting for me. John Leguizamo, to me, was so bad. He was so hard to watch. Jim Broadbent and, and um, oh, Richard Roxborough, was so when they good. were doing Like a Virgin, it just... It it almost made it so I wanted to fast forward through the fucking film because I Broadbent couldn't... really did? Uh, yeah, because I couldn't take the overacting. I couldn't... It was so... But the thing was, is that he's supposed to be that person, like you know, like yeah. the show must go on. He has to carry that weight. Okay, you know? so let me. This is let me... What I, yeah, that's what I said. Is that I cared about Broadbent. I cared about Ziegler so much more watching it again for this, talking about it today, than I ever did when I watched it way back when. Like Ziegler, he cares about Satine. He cares about his legacy he cares about his moulin rouge so i bring it right? back to a movie we've already done which is the birdcage okay so nathan lane in that movie was so over the top so crazy but he brought it back and anchored the role in a beautiful way yeah. i don't think that any of the characters anchored in this film anywhere close to reality brandon you no. preach all the time about how you reality. want movies to be <laughs> realistic and yeah this is just it's fucking insanity. No. You you know what? Okay, so I'm going to uh, let me just let me just talk about this real quick because I'm going to go ahead and say you're absolutely right, Sean, which I don't like saying. You're absolutely right. Can we get that on record. Do we have that on, do we have that recorded. Every movie, every movie, <laughs> here's the every thing. movie, shut up, Brandon. Thing. And every movie you don't and, like, and, that's the f- number one thing. It's not real enough. I don't okay. like <laughs> Okay, but but Jeremy, maybe Jeremy can back me up on this. Yeah. That, yes, I, I, I love realism. I love to be grounded in realism. I mean, you, Eddie likes to tease me all the time about the ring and how it's not realistic. But what it does is, to me, that, re, that roots it in real. Here's the thing that I, I don't like about, let's say, Halloween, uh, without opening that floodgate again, <laughs> is that it's a movie that, – that's a movie that says, oh, hey, this is grounded in the real world, so care about it, right? 
to me, this movie, Moulin Rouge, it, it resembles more of a Middle Earth where it's like, this is fantasy. This is not the real yeah. world. This is something completely abstract from anything that you've ever seen before. It's not supposed to be rooted in the real world. Well, if Halloween had straight up, if Halloween had straight up said, hey, this is not this is not supposed to be taken literally. I would, I would love it. Probably. Uh, so I but, would, what, I would agree with you, except for the core. This is theme, not real world. But I would agree with you, but the core theme of this movie, which I think is beautiful and totally relatable, is there is nothing more important or more beautiful than to love and be loved, and that okay, that have, is wait, realistic. Wait, 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 No, 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 no. Let me just ask you, Sean. Sean. Lord of the Rings, right? We haven't done it yet, and I'm putting that out there on air for saying that we are going to do it. Okay. Let, let me just ask you, at the core of Aragorn, Aragorn, we have this relationship with, with Arwen, right? That that is love, and that is not rooted in a world that we can see that resembles anything like our world now. That is Middle Earth. It is completely abstract from anything that we've ever seen. if Majesty had been anywhere near uh, Peter Jackson's vision, I think I would, I would be much more... But, uh, once again, I'm not against the core fundamentals of this movie. What I am what against... I'm saying is, well, well, no, no, no. What I'm saying is that you cannot judge the themes as being realistic because they, they adhere to our real world. As I watch this movie, I'm consistently assaulted by noise, by color, by overacting, by there's so many negatives in every scene. Have you have you seen have you seen Australia? Yes. With Nicole Kidman. Okay, it does the same thing for the first 45 minutes, I, I right? Don't agree. It does the same so thing the for main, the greatest showman as so, well. It's it just so thing. in yeah. the face what and was everything. The main reason yo? why you don't like The Great Gatsby then? It does the same thing for The Great Gatsby. Well, the you, you put down the very the bottom of the list. It doesn't add, it doesn't it doesn't consistently get better. Um, with Moulin Rouge, I would it argue that it consistently it gets better. Get better. It does get better. Moulin Rouge does get better, for sure. From from about an hour in to an hour mm-hmm. and five minutes when it's over, yeah, that's what it, I said. it does get better. I watched and, the right. second and half. I know that that's not, it's not a joke, right, Sean? I mean, no, no, I, I I, no legitimately. But and the song, yeah, you, legitimately and your better. favorite song, Brandon, which is Roxanne and that whole section, to me, was distracting because that guy's voice was terrible. Okay. Uh, but so let, let, let me, hold on. Yeah. But let me just finish. But mm-hmm. that whole section, probably four or five minute choreo- choreographed mm-hmm. performance, was yeah. magnificent. It was so really let, good. So let me let me let me clarify real real quick that Roxanne is literally my least favorite song in the world. I hate it with the Roxanne. with an absolute like passion. I hate I hate the police's version. I hate Sting's version. I'm sorry, dude. This is where I disagree on Brandon with that. Okay, so so police Roxanne is a fucking treasure of a song, dude. So so it's good to know that Jeremy's wrong. (laughs) Hey Brandon, I love you, Jeremy. Brandon, I love you. Nobody (laughs) believes you. Everyone's on. Everyone's against. No, I agree with. (laughs) But no, what I want to say is, is, uh, to me, Roxanne by the Police is a terrible song. What this movie does is it is it grounds it in context. And yes, we yes, don't talk a whole lot yes, about, right about specifics. That. I, I actually think it, it, oh, this movie does a very good job of grounding a lot of songs in context. I so think I, that yeah. most of the songs, except for Like a Virgin, really hit home well. I think I think they really do. Mm-hmm. But I think the so, Like a Virgin so, yeah. also did it like really well too because it made you feel uncomfortable. And that it song, makes you feel really uncomfortable. And then, and when you think about the song, the song is fucking kind of uncomfortable, but man. But that's not what I yeah. go to see a movie for. No, I do not but, go but, to but, see but, a movie but, to be uncomfortable. I'm sorry. But also, but Sean, you, you, and I, you and I have, have established early on that, that you and I see movies differently. I want to see 
I, I like to feel something, whether it be uncomfort or, or excitement or, or horror discomfort. or something. Right, discomfort, yeah. Um, but no, you no. Say so go back, go <laughs> yeah, back to yeah, yeah. Armageddon. No, no, you don't no. Get no, no, on my back, buddy. You can't bring in the end of the world. Indian. They didn't do it for you, huh? <laughs> you filling up in there? First of all, this. First of all, you're talking about a movie that you have to be on drugs and shit like that. That oh, had do not nothing. Get on the movie. You have to be on drugs <laughs> yeah, to enjoy. This one is. Just imagine. Just imagine watching Moulin Rouge on mushrooms. I didn't understand it sober. I could not imagine. I mean. Honestly, and I'm sorry, Eddie. I don't mean to cut no, you off. You but this movie was it. I I got to a point where I actually had to turn the volume down because and put <laughs> subtitles on because it was so fucking loud. I'm like, I can't sit yeah. here any longer. So, like, literally, in my notes, I have it's a fever dream, drug induced high, and that's literally how I feel well, it that's is. That's how I want to spend what? my Saturday night. But but no, but here's the thing. No, okay, no. <laughs> no, no, Sean, you, I'm gonna be dead serious, and then we can move on to just happier things. But. <laughs> But I think that, that if we really look at movies and we look at moviegoers, okay, and, and listeners out there, you can definitely weigh in and, and email us, please. But there are two different schools of thought. And Sean and I, I we sit on on each other. Like we sit on – we don't sit on each other. That's weird. Yeah, don't we, sit, we, on we sit on me, bro. Each, That's what she said. We, Sean sits on me. I'm just well, saying. That's what he said. But what I'm saying <laughs> is, right, you, you either take Sean's side, which is that, that movies and film are an escape. And I totally understand that. Or you take the other side, which is where I'm at, which is that movies are a way to understand our world just a little bit better. Even if that's a form of escape, it, it, it's, it locks into the psychology. So you can do one or one or the other, right? You can look at movies and say that a movie sucks because it doesn't let me escape into some better, happier world, right? It's, it's definitely more positive. It's more half full. Where me, I like the serious stuff. I like the gritty realism, but I also like the fantastical that makes me feel something i don't care what the hell it is this movie moulin rouge makes me feel something yeah i think you're overstating i think you're overstating the dichotomy i enjoy a movie that is entertaining and we can learn something i don't like like positive i I do like positive i also like negative one of my favorite movies of all time is the cure by a long shot i like the gritty real drama of it i am entertained by learning something about the story. In this movie, I don't like to be assaulted by bad acting, bad plot, bad characters. That's not what I like in a movie. I don't, I don't think I, you can yeah, say there's bad I, acting. I, I, there's no bad acting in this because this is supposed to be all over over the top in this over movie. The I, no, mm-hmm. I agree with Sean. I feel like almost if I would blink at the wrong time, I would miss something with this movie. I feel like, like if you guys are about The, the Greatest Showman, which is the same fucking concept and everything like that, then you have yeah. to be it's like about you know, five five seconds slower per scene. Which yeah, I, agree. I would say that the Greatest Showman is thirty percent slower. <laughs> so let let, let me ask you this. But let, you let guys, me, are, I, wait, 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 yeah. wait. I try to catch okay. up. But the I, thing I, is, I was, the I thing is, is that you're not saying that the movie. acting was good. I'm sorry. You keep seeing Jim was like not good. His fucking parts when he was just like stripped down regarding to his feelings and whatnot. That was some good fucking acting. And if you see the passion between Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman. That's great acting. In that Roxanne song, seriously, you may not like it because it's very filthy. It's very gross. It's no. very – it makes you feel uncomfortable. He's putting his passion into that song. To be clear. And that song – Cinematographically, just, it is amazing. To be clear, my problem is not with Nicole Kidman, not with Ewan McGregor. My problem is with Jim Broadbent, and my problem is with Richard Roxborough as the Duke – and John Leguizamo. And I think it's all about the voice that they chose to embody their character with. They were, let, ir- let, they did not 
There are so many great Jim. Jim Broadbent is a great fucking actor. I and I don't mean to bring up Harry Potter because that's not his best performance in the world because it's Harry Potter. But there's a scene where he's talking about Lily's goldfish in number six, and it is absolutely it just in enthralling. This scene is amazing. He's got the he's got the the capacity to hold the audience on the tip of his tongue. And in this, I felt like he did not. <laughs> I have to disagree with you this on Sean because I feel I, like every so, scene he yeah. captured that scene. And you know what? You felt what he was talking about. You felt his emotions. If it was going over the top, which it was, then that's what he was meant to do. If he was supposed to be like mm-hmm. just, if you see this con when he's having like this kind of uh, a father situation with Satine, you felt that. That felt real. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying, Sean. Like, don't get me wrong. You know, Braz Lerman is an acquired taste for people. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I, it's like, it's either hit or miss. Like, that shit is it's confusing. It's fucking crazy. But... That was the whole point of the fucking film of that time so, period. Hold on, hold on, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was, wait, wait. I was just personally, it I, it was more for me, like, he did Romeo and Juliet, right? He yeah. did Romeo movie. plus Juliet. Romeo, yeah. yeah, so the one of Leo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, one of Leo like, and Claire Dane. I don't know why, but I feel like that, I was expecting that, and it, it like, I, I didn't get that. I feel like if we watch Romeo or Romeo plus Juliet or Romeo and Juliet, we're going to have the same problem. No. See, can I, can I tell you why I don't think we're going to have the same problem? Or why at least I'm not going to have the same problem? Because it's not it's because music. It's set. No, I don't care about the musical, but it's not. It, this, it's set against one of the greatest fucking written pieces in all mankind. Disagree. No, disagree. Okay, you can Romeo disagree. Juliet sucks. I'm, Shakespeare is Did the preeminent, yeah. preeminent Ooh, writer not, of the I'm world. I'm not talking about the writer. I'm talking about the directorial vision and everything like that. But what like I'm that. saying, directorial vision is set against a story that is time out of mind. It, you know the story. You know what's going to happen. But Sean, you know this story as well. This you tragic story here. You know that's going to end the right same from exactly. the get-go that she died. Oh no, I knew she was going to die. I had I, I had no dispositions about her dying. My problem once again was not with Ewan McGregor or with Nicole Kidman. It was with the supporting cast, the morons that went around in his group with the guy in the bowler hat and the, it yeah, just okay. they just the, ruined so it because there's so many like that. It, to me it's just like every scene or group that you ever be involved with there's fucking people like that and they're and that's how they act and that's how they actually present themselves you're seeing that you're just like god these people are over the top because you know why they're actually fucking doing the real people. I feel people like it was like at an elementary school. And, and I'm like, going to say like, this. Uh, there's a new kid this in is... block, and then Sorry. there was this new elementary school kid. <laughs> and there was all these new kids around there. I feel like all these random kids running around. That's, I feel like it was elementary school. And I, 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 will say, I will say this a little bit, okay? So and <laughs> yeah. I, 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 my, no, yeah, you're right, dude. I mean, he is right. My, my experience in life is as far from bohemian as it can be. I don't yeah. have very much experience with these type of people that you're talking about. And I know you're a gypsy. I mean, at the end of the day, you, you know, you've changed your lifestyle a lot. Thank you. And, and it's wonderful. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not diminishing it. No. I'm saying this is what you've experienced. I have experienced uh, protect, particularly zero of this. And and Brandon has always wanted to be a gypsy, so he yeah. he like dives nah, into this. Brandon, me, you don't, don't don't live the gypsy life. Don't, over, don't live it. Just I, I over not, not no. knowing what you're going to do with your life. The over going to the city because you want to write and fall in love. It makes me want to puke, and that I think really yeah, did create a, a a block for me to get into this. And movie. that's the thing is like I guess that's probably the difference is like I can understand that because I can relate that because I wanted the same thing, but at the same time I'm looking back at it right now I'm just like. Fuck, it does make me sick. You know, it's just like, fuck. And yeah. in the end, it does make Uma McGregor sick. He loses a part of himself in this whole situation. 
regarding to his soul and regarding to the love of what he like you know what he lost and which is the innocence of what he has. And just let's be clear, Nicole Kidman, she has syphilis and I, also I, tuberculosis. Yeah, she's got tuberculosis, TB, but a little yeah, bit. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. So who, knows what else? Who, who knows what other SD? So, hold on. So hold on, he also Brandon. has. Hold then he also. I mean. You, you can't stand around someone that long who has, you know, it's a 25% chance you're going to get TV But he, as well. he didn't even know about that. That's a thing, too. Well, Which is selfish of her. No, nobody did. Nobody did. No, I want to ask no, no, you, it though. It wasn't selfish just... of her because they lied to her that, you know, she didn't know she was dying. They, they're yeah. they like, yo, by the way, you are dying. She didn't know anything I, about it. Let, let, let me ask you just, uh, I want to take it away from the kind of the overall picture. I want to look at more of a specific moment, and that is the songs. And the songs we've already talked about that we've established that the songs are brilliant. To me, and I want to just kind of get your feedback on this. To me, there has not been a better use of song as your song by Elton John in this movie compared to uh, Tiny Dancer in in Almost Famous. To me, that they are the, they're the equivalent of basically taking a moment and and relating to that moment through a song, right? I can't I can't listen to uh, your song by Elton John or Tiny Dancer by Elton John. I can't think of these these songs i can't listen to them without imagining and remembering these film moments but you're lucky they experienced that brandon because unfortunately this is like my second or third time seeing this film and mind you yes it's fucking great but i have had mm-hmm. almost famous 20 years of that scene and you know maybe you have a chance to uh you know put those things in the next level man but that scene and almost famous man every time i can even think about that that puts a fucking tear to my eyes because yeah. it's, it's like i every time i hear tiny dancer that's the scene that i think about dude so and i think that if we ask all four of us and, and i'm going to speak just for all four of us and di- disagree with me if you want the scene in, in almost famous with tiny dancer is probably the most affecting affecting moment in music and movies that that i think that we can experience as viewers well i think this i'm not yeah go ahead i'm not yeah i'm just gonna say i'm not gonna say it's as as intense as tiny dancer because tiny dancer to me is jeremy you're right it brings a tear to my eyes i can't i can't hear that song without thinking of almost famous and i can't i can't think of that that song without seeing the bus and seeing the the air drumming and the air guitar and the singing i can't see it without kate hudson sitting in a bus but the thing is, it almost yeah. is that is is your song. It almost is your song with you and McGregor. No, I, I agree with you 100 percent because every time I think of your song now, I'm going to be thinking about this movie. And I think basically, yeah. you know, maybe whoever was the music su- uh, supervisor to this film or whatnot took a lesson from Almost Famous to capture the moment with music. In yeah, the end of this, fever. yeah, yeah, it, yeah, that's true. Saturday Night Fever. And the end of this day, this is a love letter to music. Simple as that. Regarding to where it, you're coming from, you, and regarding to said, yeah. you know, regarding to the film and everything like that. Well, and there are mo- there are moments in movies, and this is why we this is why we do the podcast because yeah. it's fun to fucking talk about this shit. Mm-hmm. But there are yeah. there are certain songs in movies that are synonymous. They become they become one, right? So risky business, old time rock and roll. When he slides mm-hmm. out, da 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 da. That Collins. fucking song, yeah. Um, there's, yeah, yeah, there's probably yeah. there's probably Sorry, ten or yeah. twenty moments in movies where you can specifically tie a song to like you said effect it gives you it gives you it brings you right back to that when you that hear moment. that song you come back to that they, moment in you that know, movie the banana yeah. boat song in beetlejuice um you've got <laughs> yeah yeah you're right I mean, dude you're right yeah you've got certain moments staying alive uh in saturday night fever you've got moments uh 
Fuck. In Footloose, movies, for some reason, Footloose. <laughs> never yeah, can, Footloose. Uh, yeah. Never can tell. You never can tell from Pulp Fiction when they're doing the. Um, oh yeah. Bre- you know, Breakfast Club. Breakfast yeah. Club. Yeah. Don't you forget about me. I don't want to miss a thing from Armageddon. There are certain moments that j- Bittersweet Symphony from the Cruel Intentions. That was that was one oh, of my good, I mean, good choice on that one. Yeah, but what I'm uh, and I, I'm reading from a list, but I will say that these <laughs> moments, these these moments build from something that is more than just the song and the characters that the reason that our song works in this movie, the reason that this movie Moulin Rouge produces such an affect is because the characters drive you there. Agree. Yeah. And I think that's why this movie is not a five. This is why this movie is not a a total train wreck is because you have this great, great story between Satine and Christian, you have this great love story that builds to a crescendo. I am distracted by 80% of the superfluous bullshit that takes to get you there. Very well said for me. No, yeah. I, I, I see what you're saying, Sean. I understand, yeah. But the thing what I'm talking about is that even though that we're in the midst of like the craziness around us and surrounds us and everything like that, there's a moment where you can just capture that one moment where you fall in love and that moment lasts for a lifetime, even though the, the shit and the craziness surrounds you and whatnot. And that's basically what I got out of that film. Like in that whole crazy scene, they were able to find one another during that time. I'm just going to go ahead and pause right now and just tell you guys, I love you guys. <laughs> I love you guys too. I, I love, love this. And I, I love this. And you I can do. edit this out or you can keep it in, but I would love to keep doing this fucking talk. And you know, you know, to be honest, <laughs> as long every, as I'm alive, every season, I'm just, I'm I do enjoy, I, I love you too, Brandon. And I, I, uh, every season I do like to do musicals. I, a couple of musicals. Yeah, I agree. On the, you have to do it. Cause I feel like it's good to, Music and movies, and like they go hand in hand with each other. You can't, hand in of, hand. you can't That's go, point, you can't go with yeah. other one. And I, I think we do a, a pretty good job on this podcast of mixing old movies, new movies. Uh, I, I think that we really need to keep getting introducing people to movies that aren't necessarily always mainstream. Aren't, aren't always mainstream, yeah. Because as much as I give you shit, Brandon, about like the Fountain or some of your <laughs> your horrible selections. Those movies, <laughs> they also have good good themes, good parts, good aspects. There's good parts, right. yeah. And I think that like this movie, okay, like if I was going to tell someone, oh, you got to go watch Moulin Rouge. I don't know if I'd ever say that to someone. But I would say, you know, if you've watched a bunch of different movies, this movie is a completely different perspective. You know, if you had never seen a movie in your life, okay? Yeah. I would never say go watch Moulin Rouge. No, but if I was going to say, hey, if you're in a musical, you know, why don't you try this movie out? Right. Tell me what you think about yeah. it. I'm curious mm-hmm. to know yeah. what, you, say, what, yeah. you, what you bring from, the, what you take from this movie. This is the fringe, right? So if you've got, on one side, you've got the most mundane musical. Yeah, Casablanca. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, well, oh, Casablanca is one of the greatest movies. I, no, no, no. And you, you, know, you know, Sean, yeah. but I love. Lawrence of Arabia. I, I mean, if you've got, yeah, Godfather. Right. If you have all the greatest movies yes. ever made on one side, this is on the fringe of, this might not be the greatest movie but this, this is still is impactful. abstract right very much it's, so. ab- it's it's abstract and it, you know what i love about this movie is that it's intentionally abstract and here's what what baz Luhrmann is able to do and i don't think that it's accident is that he intentionally goes for that fringe and he succeeds right he he gets to the point that he's trying to get to he knows for a fact that he doesn't have the ability to to do something um, that that is the Godfather. He can't make the Godfather. And what he does instead is he says, "Okay, well, I'm going to make 
I, I hate to keep saying it. I think it's the fourth time I said it tonight, but he makes a music video that's two hours long right. and he makes us give a shit about some of the peculiarities, I guess. Um, yeah. Not even specifics, but the peculiarities about that music video. Right. He intentionally says, "Hey, this is this is abstract art. This is the Jackson Pollock and and not to, to keep, not, the, not the Leonardo da Vinci and not to bounce off you, but I, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm not a huge Ryan Murphy fan, but I right. don't think there's a Ryan Murphy without Baz Luhrmann. All right, yeah. take us home. Definitely. That brings us to the end of a review. Now it's time in the podcast where each of the hosts provides his score on the following scale. Eddie, can you please provide our scale? Yes, uh, zero, the perfect movie. You don't need shit to enjoy it. One, a filled first cocktail." Two, a happy buzz. Three, you're going to Uber or Lyft and home. Four, rough morning to watch a shame. Uh, five, blackout, shit face, shit spring face. break drunk. Spring break drunk. I will start with myself. So this movie, um, like I said, uh, I mean, for it to be able to, it, it's a movie that it's definitely, a, it's a musical that I recommend seeing it. No matter what, you have to experience this movie. Uh, I personally, it's like one of those movies that, I'll probably watch it once and maybe another time if my wife wants to see it with me. It's not one of those my favorite musicals. Um, and, but you know it's I like the second half of the movie. The first half of the movie, I, I was I was lost. It didn't help that <laughs> maybe I was also like pouring myself a drink and I feel like I looked up and I was like, whoa. What? I looked back down, drank again, looked back up. Whoa, wait. How many people are in this movie? Like a, a million? <laughs> like, a million. Yeah, like, I felt like there was a dance scene right away. I mean, it was it was all over the place. So I I, I was I got lost too fast, and I, I had to like pause it and rewind it a couple times. So I was like, "What did I just miss? I felt like I missed something. I always felt like I missed something in this movie." Um, and so if you do watch this movie, definitely take your time, be ready. You have your snacks and drinks before uh, you you sit down, uh, and definitely don't drink absinthe with this movie because you will trip out with this movie. Uh, you might wake up next week. Yeah, uh, it's it's a love story, and this is a, it's a it's a whole bunch of uh, love songs that make up a love story in the movie itself, and it's a beautiful movie. Within that, I uh, felt really hard to give this uh, I was trying to rate this score when I was watching it because I, I really enjoyed like Nicole Kidman she was amazing I felt like this was her time of era of movies and she was Good job. Yeah. like she I, I think Hot. she won something too for this didn't she win something no she was, she was nominated for, for an, an Academy, Award. Academy Award and then even even McGregor uh, he is Obi-Wan Kenobi and I mean he's always you know soft to the heart because of that so <laughs> <laughs> he has my he always has my heart uh, but I mean everyone else I, I kind of agree with Sean he is like I don't really care for anyone else in the movie almost for, that's personally uh, and I, it's one of, it was one of those movies that I almost don't feel comfortable it's, it's a movie you watch with your, your significant other and that's it I don't I don't watch it with my kids I don't think they will be able to grasp it uh, I I enjoyed it at times uh it took me a couple of drinks to finish this movie, to be honest. Uh, so I'm going to give this a 2.8, just below an average uh, movie. 2.8. Yeah. 2.8. Yeah, th- th- what is that on the scale? That's a happy buzz with a shot and a slurp. Yeah. Yep. A slurp. <laughs> a big old slurp. Just below, just below if you're going to Uber or Lyft home. So I'm a happy buzz with, uh, with a shot and a slurp. Brandon, go ahead. All right. So um, I'm, I'm going to be honest and say that this movie is a movie that I've seen three or four times 
first time I saw it, I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then I settled into it and I said, oh, this is good. And it was, oh, this is good because I was in high school and it was in music. And I was like, oh, there's Nirvana and it mixes with, um, you know, Marilyn Monroe and, and the, the montage and the, the medleys that they put together are just, to me, they're, they're brilliant. Then I saw it again, and I, I mentioned it before. I, I saw it for grad school when we were looking at intertextuality and, and looking at how this built off of the story of La Bohème, uh, which is also built off of Rent as the musical, and then it kind of brings into this. And that's just a whole lot of saying. Twenty-five thousand six hundred minutes. Right. I just watched so it's this. It's this. It's this concept. <laughs> That I remember watching, I remember thinking, ooh, this movie is brilliant, because we were looking at it much more analytically, um, similar to, the, I guess, the way that I was trying to look at it for this this podcast. And I'm going to be honest, for the first 15 minutes, I was like, holy fuck, I don't remember this being so batshit crazy bad. <laughs> and I'm not saying that it, it really redeemed itself all the way, because it, un, unlike Gatsby, unlike um, Australia especially, is... It, those movies start off crazy, frenetic, and then they kind of settle in. This one doesn't ever really settle in. And I think that's what makes it, it great, but also at the same time makes it frustrating. Um, and so I think that the the performances are perfect. I think that Nicole Kidman is brilliant. I do think that John Leguizamo, I think that uh, Richard Oxborough, I, and I think that, um, what's his name, Sean, the one that you can't stand right now? I can't oh, think I of Jim Broadbent. Jim Broadbent. Broadbent <laughs> Don't ever say I, I thought, met Jim I Broadbent, Broadbent in London at the train station. He's a wonderful human being and a great actor. Put it actor. this way. Put it this way. Broadbent, to me, he brought so much more to this role than I think he should have. And I, I don't think could have. I think it should have. He gives us emotion. He gives us reason behind Ziggler being an asshole or at least seemingly an asshole. Is this a perfect movie? Very, very far from it. Does this have problems? Absolutely a ton. Is this an enjoyable movie that I'll sit down and watch at least parts of it? Absolutely. Um, we talk about this this podcast being about how a movie influences cinema. You've mentioned it, Sean. This movie influences cinema. Do I think it does it all great? No. I think that um, that I, I prefer a much more realistic, so, simple storytelling approach. Um, I, I, I'm going to give it a 2.25, uh, which I think is probably a little bit high. I think it's a little bit high, but ultimately I do think that that's where it deserves to be. So it's a, it's a happy buzz and it's, um, uh, just a little bit of a, a half a shot. All right. Uh, okay. I'll go next. Uh, for me, this movie, uh, had a couple of different aspects that I thought were positive and negative. The first positive aspect of it, I will start with positive is that I think Nicole Kidman, Hugh McGregor, fantastic. I think the music was absolutely out of this world. Good. I think that the way that they mash songs together and they use lyrics yeah. in the dialogue yeah. was just unparalleled. <laughs> but at the end of the day, what I couldn't get over and what's going to impact my score the most is the fact that I felt like I was sitting on the couch constantly being barraged with sounds and visuals that didn't match what I thought was a very heartfelt story. The concept of a lowly poet falling in love with you know, the star of a show and being torn away by a Duke who was trying to finance the musical. That whole concept to me was very attractive. I couldn't fucking focus on it because all I could think about was these horrid characters overacting and being just in your face. And that just didn't, it didn't work for me. If they had dialed it back 20%, I think this would have been a much more watchable movie. As to Brandon's point, whether or not this movie uh, fulfills the mandate and impacts cinema, I think greatly. 
I think it shows directors that they can take risks and that they can do things that they wouldn't have done before and that it has shaped how movies have been made after. Mm -hmm. I don't think it did it successfully. I think it showed directors the boundary. Don't go too far. Don't Baz Luhrmann it up. Don't Moulin Rouge it. Mm. That's that's fair. But I think that's still valuable because I think that other Westerns have done that. Other films, genres have done that. There there are limits to where directors can push things. Um, David Lynch is a perfect example. I think he pushes the envelope every day. Sometimes he pushes the envelope too far. I think Baz Luhrmann pushed the envelope too far, at least for me. I'm going to give this movie a three. And when I started this podcast, it was a four. But you guys have talked me back. (laughs) You guys have talked me back. I will say that what saved it for me was Ewan McGregor's wonderful voice in singing songs with passion and emotion. And honestly, the songs that I thought were fluff, like Beatles, All You Need Is Love. I never thought that was a great a great song. All you need is love. But when when he uses the lyrics and he uses a couple of lyrics from he that says song, it just keeps saying he keeps saying it. And it and just is it. like, oh, yeah. like how stupid are you? All you fucking need is love. It, nothing else matters. Love is the only thing that matters. And when you break it down that simply, um, I think it's important. I think it's 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 beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Beatles are one of yeah. my favorite bands. I know uh, you know you're a Stones man, Brandon. But mm-hmm. I want to hold your hand. Yeah. You're All you need is too. love. These I, I, are like I, I love the stones. just yeah. simple truths. But I've, I've actually appreciated the Beatles more yeah. and more and as it, I get it older. It makes you, more, it makes yeah. you feel good about the yeah. story. So, yeah, I'll, I'll stay there. I'll get, I gave my score. Jeremiah. Uh, Jerry, give us your listen, thoughts. Listen, guys, I agree with everything and everyone that's been saying about this movie. I mean, just hands down, I'm not a Brosnan fan. I don't like his directing. I think it's just too fucking in your face sometimes to the point where you lose the center of the story most of the time. But for this film, I came into it just going like, okay, what am I getting myself into? And I said it before, this is a love letter to music. It's a love letter to musicals. And that's Mm -hmm. what I got out of this film. I think this film, in a lot of ways, brought Rawls down for musicals to to do something differently with this you don't have chicago or with this you don't have burlesque you know burlesque <laughs> yeah burlesque or you don't have like all the other things like here like hamilton or something like that because i think this movie broke down its wall this movie seriously made over hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars and it was only one of the very few musicals that's been nominated for an oscar i mean just it is what it is it broke down that wall does it make it a great movie absolutely not maybe it didn't age well for me well, and that's the thing. This happened. This was made in the millennials where Garden Way, everything was just so fast and upbeat and everything like that. But what the center of this movie is, is this love story. And this love story, just that's it for me. And when I saw Uma McGregor and Nicole Kidman at the end of the movie, where she is just, she dies, if you haven't seen it. That's your fault. Spoiler. That Spoiler. Yeah. However, when you see Uma McGregor is just crying, I fucking cried my eyes out because I thought, what if your love just died right there and then? Everything that you love so much, it's gone away. And that got to me so much. And if a movie gets to me like that much or something like that, regarding to how you feel, then it did something for me, Dio. So regarding to this, I don't think it's the greatest movie ever, but I don't think it's the worst movie ever. So for me, this is a solid two. Because you know why? This had every song that I just love, and they did it something in a different way that I've never seen before. 
So that's why I'm actually putting this as a two guys. When you take those like uh, those scores and divide by four, Eddie, what does Moulin Rouge? What does Moulin Road one? <laughs> the average score is two point five one two five. Two point five one two five. And Jeremiah, where does that put us on our list Jesus of movies Christ. that we have? Sometimes. Uh, two. Ooh, point, that's a new one. What is it? It's right between The Hangover and Rocky. Go ahead, and Sean. Right, say it. Right below Greece no, as well. Rocky and Hangover have the same fucking score. No. 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 They don't. No. no. They don't. Oh yeah. Some, somebody screwed up on that. What is it? So it's a two point what? Two point five one two five. Okay. So it's in the it's so I screwed up on that. So it's in the twenty. Um, no, I, I think that's probably exactly where no, it should be. No, because look at this right it's here. Like right next to the movies or next to it is Greece, and you also got The Greatest Showman. They're like right next to yeah. each other and whatnot. So this is a little worse than Greece uh, and uh, Greatest Showman. A little better than Clueless, Three Hundred V for Vendetta, The Ring. <clears throat> and with with with, with the uh, why is V for Vendetta like so like Sean right now? I think that that's actually a good place for it. I why think that it's not as good as so the low. Ring. Because it was a bad movie. Because it's a damn good movie. Um, <laughs> no, it's seriously, it's 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 almost above yeah. average movie. Yeah, you know, it's above like, average. Yeah. A two point five is an average movie. Two point five, one two five, and it's two point five is an average movie. Yes, yes, yeah. So it's a little below average, but I think it's it's yeah. right at average. It's average. And here yeah. here's the end. Here's the thing that we have to kind of think about with our with our list is that we're mixing genres. We're mixing, uh, you know, Opinions. decades, different different decades, but. When you look at these, and I'm looking at our list, it's so interesting, right? So The Hangover, Terminator, Scream. Um, Clueless. Clueless, even, no, but Grease. All of these movies were pioneer movies. V for Vendetta, The Ring. They all redefined a genre. They weren't perfect, but they mm-hmm. redefined what they were trying to accomplish in cinema. And this movie's above all those movies. Right. So what I'm saying is, it's crazy. Th- all of these, all this whole group of in the 2.5s, these average movies, they led to the movies at the top of the list. Yeah, is what I, what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I I agree 100. percent Oh, real, 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 real quick, real quick, real quick. Yeah. Um, cinematographically, I think this movie did really well, <laughs> and I do think that it would have probably benefited from Brian Cox being there, but ultimately, it's not Point Break. I so do, I do think that's true. Well, so, I believe he yeah. was in a, 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 a Born Identity actually, which is originally this movie. I was gonna put it below <laughs> The Big Lebowski. Yeah, I was. So you guys talked me down. The Great Gatsby. So you guys did talk. So if you enjoyed our review or fan of the podcast, we ask you please subscribe wherever you're listening. You give us a five star review on iTunes. Uh, You can find us on Instagram at the dot gentleman podcast. The dot means a lot. You can visit our website at the gentleman podcast.com. And if you want to, you can reach out by email at hosts with an S H O S T S at the gentleman podcast.com. Jeremiah, what do we have next? uh, Next episode, two weeks from today with this, we're going to actually keep our individual selection and we're going to actually go with brand. Brandon's pick for the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's gonna go old school, Whoa. very, very Spartacus, and uh, it's gonna be very uh, epic, very Stanger. bloody, very dirty, very Russell Crowe. Are you entertained? Are you entertained? So let me just tell you, I have never seen this movie. What we do Ooh. in life, echoes. We have you ever watched this movie? Sean, no. Sean, look at me. Look at me real quick. Yeah, I'm looking at you. You're welcome. So next next uh, next episode is the Gladiator. Or yes, gladiator. the 2000 this gladiator. gladiator. This was on my list like five times. I keep taking it off. I'm so happy that Brandon had it. Thank so, you. Brandon. So happy. That'll be that'll be uh, that'll round out our individual choices for the 2000s. Absolutely. Then we have our group selection. Then we have a group selection, which we are going to actually keep it hidden because it's going to be a very surprise. But then I will say this: then the episode after that. 
Are we going to James Bond? We are going to do a fucking James Bond movie. It's I'll about which is my 2010s pick. I'll see it when I see it, bro. Okay. <laughs> Eddie, so, Eddie, Eddie when... let me ask you. Eddie, are you ready to change your script? I'm so I'm scared. I'm a little bit scared. So I'm like, I've been doing this for how many episodes? Now? This is 60, like our 60 something. 70, 70, 70, like 70th episode. We've done. Yeah, we did, this is like over 70 episodes right now. So, episodes. yeah, it's going to be pretty awesome. Just change but up you know, my like, wording. Audience, yes. listeners, be a part of it, man. Share us. And I think we should do like a countdown to James Bond. I think we should do a countdown to uh, the 2010s. It better be like the best. Selection. It better be like the best James Bond movie of all time. It better be. It better be our highest rated episode. That's what. That's all I'm saying. Please that's on you, that viewers. Happen, that's guys. on you, listeners. That <laughs> well, I'm personally, have Gladiator be one of the best. Ah, uh, not this one. Watch it'll be, be our least popular episode. <laughs> yeah, that's not gonna happen. Bro, all right, it. guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks with what movie? Gladiator. Gladiator. Oh, that's wrong movie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. 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 Brandon, was that our best one yet? God damn, that was really, really good. That might have been best. (laughs) I miss you. No, we broke it down, man. We broke it okay, down. Okay, so yeah. let's just go ahead and stop this. All right, here we-